Welcome to the Christian Life Church Podcast. We hope that you enjoy and are encouraged by this week's message. And if so, we would love for you to visit clcwinnipeg.ca to get further connected with our ministry, to submit a prayer request, or to find out how you can take the next step in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Christian Life Church Winnipeg. And we pray that you would be blessed through the message you're about to hear. Today is December 1st, which means that I am now officially on board with it being the Christmas season. Um, I know that retail stores would like us to believe that Christmas begins right after Labor Day. I do not agree with that, but uh, I'm, I'm on board now. And uh, we are, as you can see, we've got some decorations, and that's all to go along with our theme, Uncomfortable Christmas. Because Christmas can be a little bit uncomfortable at times whether you are having to maybe break tradition this year, maybe something has changed, um, maybe, maybe Christmas doesn't look the way it always did, or maybe it's, it just doesn't go the way you planned. Maybe your son or daughter comes home from college and they have all these weird ideas of how you raised them incorrectly all of a sudden, and, and now you have to deal with that, or, or uh, you get into a fight at Christmas, Whatever it may be. And I, I think that Christmas actually, from the very beginning, was a little bit uncomfortable. As you look through the book of Luke in particular at all of the people that were a part of the Christmas story and how at some point there was discomfort that they had to go through. Um, and so we're going to be looking at one of those stories today. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. It's going to be starting at verse 5. This is the story about Zechariah and Elizabeth. So Luke 1, chapter 1, verse 5. And it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was a daughter of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, walked blamelessly in all of the commandments and decrees of the Lord, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both of them were well along in years. One day while Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And at the hour of the incense offering, the whole congregation was praying outside. So here we have been introduced to today's protagonist, our main character of this story, Zechariah. And it starts off right away by saying that him and his wife, Elizabeth, are righteous and that they have been faithful to serve and follow God. But Elizabeth has never been able to have children, which probably would have been a little bit, well, it would have been a big deal for them in those days, maybe more so than it is today in Canada. Whereas we have people who, yes, it's difficult if you can't have children, but we also have some people who just don't see children as part of their lifestyle or as something that they want to have. But in these days, it, it really would have been tied up in their, in their status in society, and there was a lot of value and social pressure to be able to have children. Children were your retirement plan. There was no nursing homes. It was when you got old and unable to take care of yourself, your children fill, stepped up to fill that role. And so this would have really mattered a lot to them. And then on top of all that, there was a lot of honor wrapped up in being able to carry on your family name. So 
We can also see, though, that Zechariah was a man of God who was serving in the priesthood. In this particular year, he had been chosen to be the one who entered into the Holy of Holies. So the temple in those days was broken into several sections. So if you were a Gentile, like not part of the Jewish people, there was an area where you would do your worship. And then as you kind of got closer to God, in a sense, you would kind of go more into the areas of the temple. And once every year, there was the middle room called the Holy of Holies, and they would draw lots to pick one person to be able to go into this area. And this year it was Zechariah. And after he had been chosen, he would have had to go through weeks-long rituals to be able to cleanse himself and to be able to make sure that he was clean in the eyes of the Lord before he went in there. And when he did, he had this encounter, starting in verse 11. It says, Just then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of the incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall never take wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Many of the sons of Israel he will turn back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord." How can I be sure of this, Zechariah asked the angel. I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And now you will be silent and unable to speak until this day comes to pass because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled at their proper time. So honestly, my first reaction to this passage is that I think it's very strange because everything seems to be going fine. Zechariah has entered into the Holy of Holies and he has this encounter with an angel. And all of a sudden, he asks one question after the angel is done talking and he's all of a sudden unable to speak. And we're going to come back to that. But in verse 21, it says, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he took so long in the temple. When he came and was unable to speak to them, they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. He kept making signs to them, but remained speechless. And when the days of his service were complete, he returned home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. She declared, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown me favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So Zechariah and Elizabeth are this this couple that's getting older. They're probably... Well, it says that they were good people, that they were righteous in the eyes of the Lord, but they've never been able to have kids, which is kind of a theme with people who who God sends. He, He often uses people who had been unable to conceive before that day. And then an angel appears to Zechariah and tells him, you're going to have a son. You're supposed to name him John. And Zechariah just asks one question is, how can this be my... We're, we're kind of past the point of having children. And it, which seems like a pretty reasonable question at this point. But for some reason, the angel doesn't seem to like it and takes away his ability to speak. 
And on top of that, in terms of getting news that you're going to be having a son, people often in the Bible question God at that news. So we can take this all the way back to Genesis, where in chapter 18, Abraham and his wife Sarah are told that they're going to have a child, and Sarah literally laughs because she thinks it's so unlikely. Or when Moses is met at the burning bush and told to go to Egypt and to set God's people free, he spends several minutes questioning God and telling him that he has the wrong person. Or if you look at Gideon, he was told to go lead an army against the Moabites, and he literally spends days questioning God and putting him to the test. And even right in this chapter, in the next few paragraphs, Mary is met by an angel, and she responds, how is, how is it possible that I would have a child? And it seems like everybody is able to freely question God except for Zechariah. So why is that? brings us to our first point today, which is that our belief in God demands our obedience to God. So to be honest, nobody actually really knows exactly why Zechariah was made mute by the angel. So I have a a few theories that work to uh, explain this. And the first is that Zechariah was actually in a position of spiritual leadership. I think that uh, at this moment, that more than ever, he should have been willing to trust that this was what God had for him. He had just been chosen to go into the Holy of Holies. He was in the presence of God. He had spent weeks preparing for this. And this was a very big burden, so much so that they actually tied a rope to the ankle of the priest as they went in in case they had done any part of the ritual wrong because they would be struck dead in that moment because they were standing impure in the presence of God and they needed a way to get them out because no one else could go in there. So he had gone through all this ritual and he should have been so close to God at this point and then he literally sees an angel standing in front of him and his first reaction is not worship, it's not, it's not gratefulness, it's to question in that moment. And I think that from God's perspective, it might have kind of been like, how dare you come in here and have the audacity to question me in this moment? And I just think that the standard would have been really high for Zechariah in this particular case to believe in God. And that when he didn't, that he, he suffered a consequence for it. Second, I think that this was something that he and Elizabeth had been praying for, and that God was answering this prayer. The angel actually says to him, you've been praying for a long time, and now you're going to finally have a son. Um, they were trying to have children, they wanted to have children, and they, I'm sure, prayed for it frequently. And when God finally tells them that they will, he reacts with doubt. And I think the third reason might be that Zechariah was possibly unwilling to pass the name John onto his child. And we're going to read a little bit more about that later. But the angel told Zechariah that he would have to name the child John, and that was something that was outside of his family lines. That was, there was no connection to that name. And it's possible that Zechariah would have been kind of hard-hearted towards that commandment as well. So in a sense, he may have been made 
unable to speak in order to kind of soften his heart toward God for the will of the life of his son. So all that to say, God was teaching Zechariah a very valuable lesson in this moment, and he was pointing him to obedience. And the Bible is pretty clear that a big part of following God is actually to obey God. When we choose to follow God, he demands our obedience. He demands everything of us in order that we might be able to live for him completely. And it might be difficult to hear that we are supposed to be obedient to God. Um, I don't really like saying it because it, we, don't, we don't love to have to obey people and things. But I also believe that our lives actually, in exchange for our obedience, they, they will get better as we receive freedom from sin. Because when you look at the consequences of sin, it's not a free life because sin, as you participate in it, it, it tries to bind you and to hold you and, and to grab you. But Jesus sets us free from that and he sets us free from the consequences of that. And to take this a step further, I would say that significant spiritual results require significant obedience. Zechariah needed to be obedient as he received a son as this was an answer to prayer, but God actually had more for him than it seemed at first. So we can jump down to verse 57, where it says, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Which, like I said, is really a key to our story. The angel had told Zechariah that the boy was to be named John, meaning God has been gracious. But their friends and relatives are quick to point out, no one in your family is named John, that you're not honoring anyone in your family by giving him that name. Shouldn't you be naming it after someone who can carry on your family name? But Elizabeth and Zechariah choose to be obedient to what God had told them to do. So in verse 62, then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And all the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And God's hand was with that child. We read that he went on to become John the Baptist, who who lived in the desert and prepared the way for Jesus to be able to come. And he spoke a message of calling people to repentance and calling people to be baptized in order that when Jesus came, that they would be ready for him. And he did such important ministry before Jesus came. And Elizabeth and Zechariah needed to be faithful in the small things so that they could be trusted with the responsibility of raising the one that God had chosen to make the way for Jesus to be able to do his ministry. Because when God calls us to 
large and great acts of obedience, it is because he has great spiritual results in mind. If you look throughout the scripture, every single move of God only follows a great act of human obedience. So for example, jumping back to the example of Moses, he had to pack up and he had to leave his family and he had to go into Egypt and have the gall to stand in front of Pharaoh and say, let my people go 10 times. And he had to do this all before the Israelites could leave Egypt and and see the Red Sea split and go into the promised land. Or David, he had to go and reject Saul's armor and, and go into battle against a giant without any armor with just five smooth stones before he could slay Goliath. Or one of my favorite examples, Elijah. He had to go in front of this wicked king Ahab, which would have been a risk every time because he was just such an evil ruler. And he had to challenge 500 priests of Baal to a showdown on top of a mountain where everybody could see before he could call down fire from heaven and prove that he was serving the one and true God to try to call Israel back to the one true God. Because to have faith in God is not simply to say that we believe in God. It is not simply to say that we are a Christian. I think faith is an action word. Faith requires us to go. And when we do, we actually allow God to move in our lives. And the greater movement of faith that we make, the the greater the step that we take, the more we obey God, the more we open the door for him to be able to provide great spiritual results in and through us. So I just want to ask, how might God be calling you to be obedient today? What does God want you to be obedient in? This month, that's kind of going to be where we focus on this theme of obedience, because this is really a very major theme of the Bible. And if you've been a Christian for a while and you're quite familiar with the Bible, you might look at it and go, okay, I mean, I know in the Old Testament that was, that was a big theme. They had this big law. The first five books are the books of the law. But I thought we were set free from that with Jesus and that we didn't have to follow that any longer. And I would say that's true. But Jesus also said in the Gospel of John that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so, yes, we have freedom in Christ. And yes, Jesus has set us free from the law so that we can follow him. But in the New Testament, we also find that there are over, there's actually over a thousand commandments that are given, 1,050. So Jesus isn't just calling us to this, this wide open free lifestyle. He has directions for us. He has ideas of how we can best follow him. And he has a better version of life in mind. But we could also be sure that Jesus says that his, his yoke is easy and it is light and that he's going to be there with us, walking beside us and helping us along as we follow him. So if you have not ever decided to follow Jesus, I just want to say that you can have more freedom in your life. And there is a greater life that is available to you. And I can promise you that if you choose to do that, that you're not going to have to walk 
alone in this life any longer. Because first off, you are here, and, and we would love to be able to walk alongside you in that journey, but also Jesus is going to be walking alongside you, and he's going to send his Holy Spirit to help you in that journey. And if you say you believe in Jesus and vow to follow him, you will find the greatest version of this life available to you. Because maybe, maybe following Jesus is your next step today, but maybe you're already a follower of Jesus and you've been following him for quite some time. And for those of you that that applies, I would ask you, how can you be obedient to God this week? And if you got one of these today with the sermon notes on the back, you'll notice that at the bottom, there's a question. It says, what is one thing that God may be calling you to be obedient in this week? And there's just a few empty lines there. And we're just going to take about 60 seconds right now. And Sherry's going to play, and we're just going to think on that question today and ask God, where are you calling me to be obedient this week? And then Pastor Jim will come and close out the service. And, and as we wait on God, if, if you feel that you've been prompted or something comes to mind, or maybe you know that there's something in your life that's actually been holding you back, in your relationship with him. I encourage you just to write that down. And as you, as you try to be obedient in that thing this week, I just pray that you would expect for God to move when you are obedient to him. And maybe it's something big, maybe it's something really small. But whatever it is, we're going to believe together that God is going to move in our lives this week. So Jesus, we invite you into this moment. And we pray, Lord, that you would just show us how we can be obedient to you. Show us how we can take our next step as we follow you. And Lord, when we do, and when we are obedient to you, Lord, we just pray. We, we ask and we know that you will provide. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's just take 60 or so seconds and wait on that question. <clears throat>